I am the pastor of youth and young adults here at Riverstone, and I'd like to welcome you here this morning and especially welcome the young kids for joining us for a family worship service. And uh, just to tell you a little bit about who I am, I'm 26 years old. Um, I love going outside and, and picnics and doing sports and all kinds of things. Yesterday, I had uh, an opportunity to do a Spartan race, which was an eight-mile obstacle course race up the side of Blue Mountain Ski Resort. I'm thankfully, I'm still alive after that. Um, and I live in Newtown with my lovely wife, who I'm happily married to, and she's happily married to me too, um, <laughs> Emily. And we are expecting our first child. Um, July 23rd is the due date. And uh, so we're expecting our first, and we're told it's a boy, his name is Everett, and uh, as you can see, it's amazing how the technology that we have today, where they just shoot little sound waves and out comes this image, where you can even see the baby's little cheeks. See, it's a baby. <laughs> and I, I like to hope and think that he's already, that's his hand there blurring his face out, he's already praising Jesus in there. Um, <laughs> So we're very, very excited that um, expecting this little boy. And um, we know that even ultrasounds, it helps us to see things that we wouldn't normally be able to see. So what I have that I want to show you are popular logos that we would all be familiar with that have hidden messages. And maybe we wouldn't normally be able to see the hidden messages in these logos. So I want to see how well you know um, some of these hidden messages that are found in these popular logos. So if we have the FedEx logo, and inside the FedEx logo, there's an arrow. Do you see the arrow? Once you see it, you'll never, ever be able to get it out of your mind. If you can't see it, it's between the E and the X, the lower part of the E, and then the arrow is pointing to the right. You see that? Yeah. So the next one is... The fast food restaurant Wendy's Baconator. Um, inside of Wendy's, I believe the founder named it Wendy's after his mom. And if you look really closely on Wendy's collar in the logo, it says mom across there. Mom. Pretty neat. And we have Baskin Robbins ice cream. Who doesn't love ice cream? I'm sorry if you're lactose intolerant. <laughs> Sometimes I think I might be, but it's just too good. So Baskin Robbins, in the B and the R, you can see there's a number. Do you see the number? The three and the one, 31, which stands for the 31 flavors of ice cream Baskin Robbins have. Pretty neat. So Tostitos, the chips. Do you see what's inside the word Tostitos? It kind of looks like two people, they have a chip and they're digging into the salsa. You see it right in the middle of the word? Pretty neat. Pretty neat. I bet you didn't even know that. Tostitos. This one's a little tricky. Hershey's Kisses. There's a little Hershey kiss inside the word kisses. Do you see it? It's between the K and the I. And it's kind of tilted on its side. Little Hershey kiss. Pretty neat. Again, now when you go to the store, you'll see Hershey kisses. You'll be like, look, there's the kiss in the Hershey kiss. You'll never forget them. 
And lastly, I love the Toblerone chocolate. So there's a mountain, and inside the mountain there's an animal. Do you see what animal it is? It's not a unicorn. It's a bear. Do you see the bear? The bear is like this. Do you see it? Do you see the bear in the mountain? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, this morning, we're going to be talking about a passage found in uh, the book of Colossians that similarly, Paul writes to the church in Colossae to help them to see what they normally couldn't see. And so at this time, I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward and pass out the Bibles. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, just slip your hand up. They'd be happy to give you a Bible for the service. And if you don't own a Bible, um, we'd love to give this Bible to you so you can take it home with you and so that you can read the scriptures for yourself because we firmly believe that God has sent us his message through his word, his holy word, which is God-breathed and it's inspired. And so for us to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we need to understand what God's telling us through his word. So if you don't own a Bible, feel free to take that home with you. So in this, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 16, found in the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul... He wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, which is located in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Paul was also in prison when he wrote this letter in Rome because of his faith, because he believed that Jesus was fully God, that Jesus is his Savior, and he was put in prison because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And it was written about 30 years after Jesus came back to life after the resurrection, and Some say that Paul never visited this church before writing the letter, and it may have been started by a man named Epaphras who heard the gospel and through Paul's teachings became a Christian in Ephesus. So it's neat to see how God can use us to spread the word of God, that people can be changed through what he's done through Jesus Christ, and that churches um, are planted through the message of the gospel. So... I'm going to say a prayer before we get into it, if you would just pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity that we can come together and worship and praise your glorious name. Lord, we thank you for all the children in this room and the children that you've, you've uh, put in our families. And God, we, we pray especially for VBS coming up this week, Lord, that we would be able to, to serve you well, and we pray that as I share these stories from the scriptures that you would speak through me, that I would become less and Christ would become magnified and that you would change us through your word by the power of your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. So let's follow along in Colossians chapter one, verses 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. It's ironic that the enemy would use this same passage that Paul's using to magnify Christ, to talk about that Jesus is fully God, that the enemy would use this same passage to create hurdles in the Christian faith that he would use it to bring down Christ's supremacy. There was an early church heretic 
in the fourth century named Arius who believed that from, from these things that Christ was not fully God. And see, if, if Jesus is not God, then what hope do we have? We have no hope for eternity. And even today, there's many people who believe that Jesus is not God. And, and so they're, they're teaching these things among us today. But it's important that this morning we highlight and understand that Jesus is divine, that he is fully God, that he's perfect God-man. Jesus, God made flesh so that we can have perspective, so that we can see things that people might not normally be able to see, that it changes everything. And it gives us eyes for eternity, right? And so this morning, I want to challenge you that every time I talk about having eyes for eternity, that we would go like this, <laughs> take our fingers and our thumb and kind of stretch our eyes. And even this week when we're at VBS and we see each other or if we're at the grocery store, we see somebody we know, we can be like, I got eyes for eternity, do you? <laughs> and so there's three, there's three characteristics of Christ that qualify his supremacy that are found just in these two verses. So I want to highlight those three characteristics for us. The first one is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The second is he's the firstborn of creation. And thirdly, he is the creator of all things. So when I say supremacy, that Christ is supreme, it's just a fancy way of saying that he has the highest rank and the highest authority. Shortly summarized, it's Christ is God. He is fully divine, fully God. And there's nothing that he's missing from the being divine. And so first, his supremacy is shown in his relationship with God the Father. As we see, he's the image of the invisible God. So it's saying that God is invisible. So how do we know that God exists if he's invisible? How would we ever know that? The Bible teaches that in Romans chapter 1, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his divine nature, have been clearly seen through what has been made. So all of these things outside, all of the creation all of the stars in the sky, the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, all of these things show that there is a God. It points to a creator. And so God also reveals himself in creation. It says at the end of that verse, it says, so that man is without excuse. That no man can say and defend the point that there is no God because he is clearly seen in creation. And also, secondly, he's shown himself through his word, his holy word the Bible that we have. And lastly, he shows himself through Jesus Christ, the person, that God who is on the heavenly throne made himself known by becoming man. He dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, put on flesh, that he was like you and me. He humbled himself to be a servant on this earth, humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. Now, we also know that in 2 Corinthians, it says that the God of this age, the enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so when we're telling people about our faith and telling people about who God is, there are many people who deny the deity of Christ, many people who reject Christ as their savior, but we know that it's because they're blinded by the enemy. 
And weren't we all there at one point, lost, but now we're found, blind, but now we can see. So let us come humbly before those who can't see that we would ask God to reveal the truth to them in a real way and that we can be used by God to speak truth into their lives. And so we know that this word where it says that Christ is the image of the invisible God, this word image is meaning the same form or nature, the very substance or essential embodiment of something or someone. It's saying that Christ, being in God's image, he is God's image, is fully divine, that he truly is God. In Hebrews, it says that the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Isn't Christ amazing that he would leave his throne for us, for our sake, so that we can know God, so that we can have a relationship with him, so that we can believe that he is divine, and so that he can help us to have eyes for eternity, so we can be changed and have our life have purpose and meaning. So this is different than the word that when we're talking about how we were made in God's image. You see, Jesus who is the image of the invisible God. It's different than how we were made in God's image. When God made man and woman, he made us special above all creation. He made us social beings that we can have relationships with each other, friendships. We have this understanding of what's right, what's wrong. We have an idea of what's moral. We have a soul that will last into eternity. And so God has made us special, but we are more like mirrors You see, when you have a mirror, it reflects images, that we are to act as mirrors for Christ and for God, that we would become less and Christ would be magnified through us, that Jesus, who is the perfect image of God, would be reflected to others through us. So Jesus is the image of God, and he has enabled us to see who God is. Jesus even said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So God, who's invisible, was made visible through Jesus, that God loves us that much. What better way for God to reveal himself to us than to become like us? And yet so many people deny a God exists, but he loves each and every one of us so much that he would become like us. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So the first characteristic of Christ's supremacy is that he is the image of the invisible God. Second is that he's the firstborn of creation. Now this phrase might sound a little weird because it sounds like by saying he's the firstborn that he was created at some point. So we need to really understand what Paul is saying here. And he chose to use this phrase for an important reason. He's using this phrase to describe that Jesus is both priority to all creation in time and as sovereign over all creation in rank. That he's first in time because he has no beginning. He existed before time was even started, before time began. Christ was with God. And he's first in authority because he is divine, because he is as much God as God the Father, as God the Holy Spirit. 
And so for us to understand this phrase of firstborn of creation, um, the word of can be used in different ways, even in our English language. So my shirt is a shirt of cloth, right? It's made of the material of cloth. But this phrase firstborn of creation, it doesn't mean that Jesus is of creation, that he's made up, that he was created. That's not what that means. But I could use this phrase, that someone is a teacher of a class, that they're not made up of students or made up of the class, but they have authority over the class. So this phrase, firstborn of creation, is showing that Jesus Christ has authority above all things, above all creation, much like a general in the military, that whatever the general says, whatever he orders, whatever he commands, the rest of the military ought to obey, that he has authority above the military. There was a father who had a little boy, and he asked his son, he said, do you know who Jesus is? And the little boy just said back, he's the boss. It's kind of a good way of putting it, that Jesus, he gives us his word and tells us commands that we ought to obey because he has the highest authority, that he is worthy of obedience, worthy of praise, worthy of us giving our lives to sacrifice for him because he's the one that gives us eyes for eternity. He helps us to see things that most people can't see. And so he uses this word firstborn. In the Old Testament, the firstborn son is used as someone who's consecrated to God and redeemed. In Deuteronomy, it talks about how the firstborn is the one who receives a double blessing, that there's something special about those who are firstborn, that they would receive a double blessing. Is anybody here a firstborn? You can raise your hand. Anybody who's firstborn? And maybe growing up, your parents gave you responsibilities. You were to look out after the other one, your other brothers and sisters, or you had a special responsibility in your household as being the firstborn. Well, same as Jesus, that he has special authority, that he's the firstborn in time because he was never created. He has no beginning. And he's the firstborn in creation. He has authority because he is God. So Jesus Christ has rights that we ought to obey, that we ought to respect. So first, the characteristic of Jesus' supremacy is that he's the image of the invisible God. The second is that he's firstborn of creation, having no beginning, no end. And third, he's the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, that Christ is not only the one through whom all things came to be, but also the one by whom they continue to exist, that he's the upholder and sustainer of all things. It says in John, it says, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made. And so Christ was there at the beginning with God the Father. And no one can create themselves. If Jesus was with God at the beginning who created all things, how could one create themselves? So it's teaching that Jesus is fully God. That he's the creator of all the things that we see, all the things in the sea, like the little fishies and all of the seaweed 
and all the things on land. He's created each one of us. He's created all of the birds in the sky, even the birds with mohawks. It's amazing that God would design animals that we can't even understand. It's amazing. Jesus was there at the beginning with God who created all things. And he even created some of the things that we can't see, like the stars in space, the galaxies. And I want to help us try and understand how vast the space is, how big God is, that Jesus, who created all things, how can he not be God, that these things exist? You see, in our Milky Way galaxy where we are, there's about 100 billion stars just in our galaxy. And there's over 10 trillion galaxies that we know to exist. And people keep discovering more and more and more. So at this point, if you could put a number to how many stars there were, it would be a one with 24 zeros. That's a big number. It's almost impossible for us to comprehend, to understand. If you were to take a penny for how many stars there are that we know of, and we were to put the pennies on this stage and take another penny and stack it on top of the other one and keep stacking, and you have them stacked flat, one on top of the other, guess what? You could have a stack that reaches to the sun, which is 92 million miles away. And the stack could come back down and go back up again. And guess how many times you could have a stack to the sun and back? Six trillion times. Six trillion times. That's how vast the galaxies, the universe stretches, and yet Christ Jesus, who was there before time began, who's fully God, he created all things. That he is that powerful that amazing, beyond our understanding, and yet Jesus has made himself known to you and me so that we can have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. How wonderful is our Savior, Jesus, that he's the creator of what we can see, what we can't see, the visible and invisible, the material and the immaterial. He created the hierarchy of the angelic beings, the spiritual world, He's created the thrones and powers and rulers and authorities. And in this church, Paul knew that some of the people in the congregation had a struggle with worshiping angels. And so Paul wanted to make sure that he was telling them, Christ is divine. He's above the angels. He's superior to them. Why would you be worshiping something that was created when you can worship the one true God, Jesus Christ, who created the angels, that he's superior, that he is supreme? And so by helping this church understand who God is, who Jesus is, being fully divine, completely God, he was helping them to have eyes for eternity. And so we can too, by gaining perspective of who Jesus Christ is, that he is divine, fully God, it helps us to gain a perspective, helps us to see things that we wouldn't normally be able to see. And a man who had eyes for eternity, his name was Maywin. And Maywin, he grew up in Britain a long time ago. And when he was about 16 years old, pirates came 
and they took him away. They kidnapped him. And Maywin was taken from his family, from his friends, from everything that he knew, and he was enslaved with these pirates. They put him on his boat, and they brought him over to Ireland. And the Irish people at that time were known as hostile people, barbarians. And so when they brought him over, they put him to work, and he was a slave. He worked with the pigs and the dirty animals and had to clean up after them and all the smelly jobs. And he had no other choice. He was a slave. He was alone, without his family, without his friends. But it was during that time when God made himself real to to Maywin. He revealed himself to him. He believed that Jesus Christ was divine. He believed that Jesus came and died. He lived the perfect life and he died for his sins so that he could be forgiven. And that three days later he came back to life and now he can have a relationship with Jesus. He became a Christian. He received salvation because of his faith by God's grace. And six years into his slavery in Ireland, God revealed to him a way that he could escape. That he had a dream that if he ran to the coast, he would be able to get on a ship and go back. And so that's what he did. He trusted, and by faith he ran to the coast, and there was a ship he was able to get back on and go back to Britain. And when he got home, he dedicated the rest of his life to serving the one true God, Jesus Christ. And he went into a church and he studied the word and he became a minister and guess what? He decided to go back to the same people that kidnapped him and beat him and enslaved him. It was at that time in Britain when he was studying God's word that he was given a new name, Patricius, or that we know of as Patrick, St. Patrick. He went back to Ireland and he preached the name of Jesus Christ. And he'd use this, it's known that he would use this Celtic cross because the people in Ireland, they worship the sun. And so what St. Patrick did is he decided to put the cross before the sun and he taught the gospel. He said, I know you believe in the sun and it's amazing, but guess what? There's one who created the sun. There's one who's even more magnificent, one that's worthy of our praise Jesus Christ, who was there before time began, who died for you and for me so that we could receive the forgiveness of our sins. And he would go and he would preach the word. And churches were planted and Ireland was changed. And there were many churches that began because of St. Patrick's ministry. Can you believe that he dedicated his life to go back to the same people that once took him from his family? It's because he had eyes for eternity, wasn't it? that he saw something that most people don't see, the hope in the gospel of Jesus. And I am so thankful that last week, the youth, about 18 of us, had the privilege and opportunity to go to Northern Ireland, to the same land where St. Patrick was, and to share the gospel message that we were sent on a mission trip. So there was a group of 18 of us, and we served with a church in Rathfryland, Northern Ireland, just a small town, and we put on a VBS like we're going to be doing next week. And many kids heard the gospel, maybe some even for the very first time. We had the opportunities to go into public schools. And every one of our students shared their testimony. Even if they were doubting what to say or afraid of what people would think, our kids really did have eyes for eternity. 
and they shared their faith, and it was amazing to see God working in them and God changing the hearts of the young ones that came out to listen to the students. So I want to thank each and every one of you for those who have been praying for us, for those who supported us financially, because we would not have been able to go without you. Um, I just want to share a quick story, uh, one thing that made it, left an image in my mind and, uh, of what God did. Um, one day it was a Thursday, and it's pouring rain, and so we were ministering to a group of kids outside in the neighborhood, and we thought maybe no kids will come because of the rain. And I'm going to embarrass him for a little bit, but Ian, Ian Stowers, he said, why don't we pray? I said, all right, Ian, if you would just, you can pray for us and pray for the kids. So as soon as he said amen, there was a group of 10 kids that showed up, and they were able to hear the gospel message because God answered his prayer. And it was amazing to see God using our students. Many times we think, well, how can God use me? But guess what? Jesus is great enough that he chose to use us to share his message to the people around us. And I just want to share with you about a three-minute video of a summary of our trip. And there's not many pictures of the kids because we were in the school, so um, we weren't really able to take that many pictures of the kids inside. But I hope this gives you a glimpse of what it was like. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In the questions, your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You will carry me safe to shore.
It was a really great trip, and I'd like to invite all of you back next Sunday night, July 16th, during our youth group time from 6.45 to 8.45. The students will be here sharing testimonies from the trip, so you're all welcome to come um, next Sunday night. And I know for them it was a special opportunity to share their faith and be sent out. And I loved what Austin shared this morning, that we are all called to go and to share the message of Jesus Christ, and we have a special opportunity this week with VBS. And so what I have up here is my telescope, and galactic starveyors, they use telescopes to make discoveries up in the sky, and they make discoveries of who God is. And you'd never, ever see a galactic starveyor take their telescope, and especially at night, point it down and, and look at the ground. You'd never see that. What are they going to find? Maybe bugs, but it would just be dark, right? And you'd never, especially, you'd never see a galactic starveyor look through the telescope this way, flipping it around, even if they can see themselves in the lens. You'd never see that because the point of the telescope is that you're looking up into the sky and you're being able to focus in on something so glorious. The thing is, Sometimes it's the same for our Christian faith, that we tend to lose focus of who Jesus Christ is, that we lose focus that Jesus is fully God, has authority over all creation, that he's our Savior and our Lord, and we start to focus on things of this world. We start to focus on temporary things, and even sometimes we start to turn our focus on ourselves. And we live for us. But that's not a life worth living. That there's promises in living for Jesus. Understanding the hope of the gospel that we have in him. That what we do for him will last for eternity. Even the things that you might not realize that you're doing that aren't recognized or are unseen. God is there watching. And he wants us to have eyes for eternity so that we can see things that people can't normally see, so that we can make an impact for, for God, for, for Jesus' sake, for eternity. And so understanding that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, Jesus is the firstborn of creation, Jesus is the creator of all things, it changes our perspective. And if he wasn't, there would be no hope for eternity or purpose for this life. And so we can praise God for making himself known through Jesus. And so this week, I pray and I hope that we would have eyes for eternity. So before we close, I'd really like to acknowledge and encourage those who will be serving VBS this week. What a great responsibility and job you have. And for those who can't participate this week, that we would have eyes for eternity so we can spend time in prayer. That many kids who come here would hear the gospel that their hearts would be changed. And so for those who are serving, maybe even those who served back in the spring who made these incredible decorations, if you could just stand, I want to say a prayer for you before we close. Can we just acknowledge those who are helping out? Yeah. Thank you for your time and your dedication, and we know that your work will not be in vain. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for raising up so many volunteers in our church. We thank you for those who are wholly dedicated to following after you, that you've given them eyes for eternity. And God, we ask that you would help us 
to not focus on ourselves, to not focus on temporary things of this world, but we would focus on Jesus Christ, the one who has priority, the one who's sovereign, the one who has authority. God, we thank you for making yourself known to us so that we can have a relationship with you. And God, we pray that if there's anyone here this morning that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you would reveal to them the truth of the gospel, that Jesus, who left the heavenly places, came to this earth to die for the forgiveness of our sins, that he took our sin upon himself and came back to life three days later And you tell us that if we put our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the the grave, that we shall receive salvation and eternal life. And God, we ask that you'd help us to live this out for the rest of this week and for our lives. And we pray this in Christ's sake, Christ's name, amen. You are dismissed. Enjoy your Sunday.